Hi, this is Gilbert Gottfried. I'm here with my co-host, Frank Santo Padre. And this is Gilbert and Frank's amazing colossal obsessions. And we have a woman who's written a book about a guy we've spoken to a lot of times, uh, spoken about a lot of times on this show. And that is, uh, and the book is called Pollen, a biography, his life, his love, and his laughter. <laughs> and we have Kathy Fitzgibbon Rudolph. Yes. I like that name. Well, thank Bit you. Bit of a mouthful. Yeah, it is. Fitzgibbon. My fellow Long Islander. That's right. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Well, you listen to the show, Kathy. You know that Paul Lind has been, I mean. He's a highlight of your show. He's yes. one of them. I mean, there are certain yes. people whose names come up on this show uh, yeah. constantly. Yeah, along with Cesar Romero. <laughs> Paul, and Paul Lynn and Gilbert. Gilbert has a, a, a classic story that he likes to tell about Paul. But but your fascination with him goes all the way back to childhood. Yes, and 17 years old. very sweet book. Thank you. Yeah. So tell us how oh my and goodness. at what age you became... Such a devoted Paul fan. At 15, I saw Paul in on the Hollywood Squares. I'd seen him on Bewitched, but with the unique personality, mm -hmm. the campiness, the whole bit, I just thought he Uncle was... Uncle Arthur. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I thought he was very handsome, very quick-witted, never seen anybody in the world like him. So I thought he was handsome, and I said, I'd like to meet him one day, like any teenage wants to meet their idol. At 17 years old, having done research about two years on Paul in, I was in my... Uh, hometown of Levittown, Long Island, mm -hmm. and I went through a uh, book about Broadway stars. And in the book, and this is after a lot of research, in the book, it said, Paulin's business manager's phone number. So I went home. I said to my mom and dad, can I call California? You know, I live in New York. And they said, make it person to person. He's never going to answer. I dialed the number. Paulin himself answers the phone. Can't amazing? believe a fan finds the phone number. In those days, the, that, that it, they were so irresponsible yeah. to just publish a number in a book in a library. There, there were a bunch of, well, Stan Laurel yeah. had his name in the book. There were people who were listed uh, for whatever reason. Yeah, there were a bunch of people. That's how uh, Chuck McCann found Stan Laurel. Yes. Just found him in the phone book. There you go. Yeah, so well, you did the same. So I did the same, but Paul and he was shocked. He couldn't believe somebody found his phone number. He says, I'm unlisted. How did you get it? But I kept talking to him about his career. He didn't hang up, shockingly. And then in the middle of me talking about Donnie and Marie Osmond and all the shows he was on, I said, will you go to the senior prom with me? <laughs> I love this. Most teenage girls at that point are crushing on the Bay City Rollers. Oh, gosh. Or John uh, Schneider. Yes, on Paul Lynn. <laughs> on Paul Lynn. Donnie Osmond. I took down the posters. Paul Lynn replaced what, that, them all. You are unique. And uh, Paul said... I can't go with you. No way. And I said, no way. And he went in his voice, you know, no way. And then he left. And then I talked to him about his dog. And then I went into, I know you come to New York. I want to meet you. He said, I can't meet you. I don't even know you. Long story short, <laughs> after begging, this pleading, uh, I said, I, Thanksgiving's coming. I know you visit New York in Thanksgiving. He says, I'm coming. I said, meet me. Five minutes and a picture. After a few no's, I said, I'll have my father take me. Then he said, you got it. Five minutes in New York City. I'll call you when I get to the Pier Hotel. That's where he was staying. Two weeks later, Paul calls. I had given him my number, and he said, I'm going to be at the Pier at 3.30. Meet me there with your father. How about that? Okay, yeah. so the day comes. I go into the city. I'm a wreck. I'm really excited. 
I got five minutes with him, and that's a dream for me to come true. And I bet my high school teachers that I would meet him before I graduated. Who would know this would happen, right? <laughs> so I told him we had to watch Hollywood Squares if I did that during class. You had a bet with your high school teachers that you would meet Paul Lynn. Before I graduated uh, okay. high school. It's unbelievable. <laughs> so I go into Manhattan. We go to the Hotel Pierre, Paul and I. I mean, my dad and I. And as we get to the Hotel Pierre, it's on fire. No one can come up. No one can come down. I said, I got I to gotta meet him. My father goes, let's get out of here. The flames, the firemen are running through. And I said, I don't care if it burns down. I have to meet him. Two minutes later, Paul came through the revolving doors. He was running a little late. Thank goodness, because it worked out for me. And uh, we tried to go into the room to have a drink. And they told Paul, you don't have your tie on. Paul says, how do I get my tie when the rooms are on fire and I can't go upstairs? He was really annoyed. He gets like, uh-huh. ah. So he said, let's go down to the Sherry Netherlands. He said, I promised you five minutes. Well, the conversation went on for two and a half hours. Wow. We just clicked. Even though you found him shy. He, he Very quiet. Yeah. I would ask him questions. He answered. Always honest. I knew another side of him that a lot of Hollywood, you know, mm-hmm. if you worked with him, could be different. But for me, very genuine, very caring, a lot of fun. But at the end of two and a half hours of talking, and my dad always says, you guys were like old friends. You just clicked. That's nice. It's sweet. It was great. And and he, a, he trusted you enough to tell you right off the bat that, that the questions at Hollywood Squares, the jokes were written for him. That was what I was going to, yep. Yeah. I said very innocently, Paul, Mr. Lind, I called him, you, you know. You know what stands out with that, with this? It's odd. It doesn't even have to do so much with Paul Lind. But I remember my childhood and part of my adulthood, the idea of a long distance call. Yeah. Used to be that. Remember when it was a big deal? Yeah. It was a a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah, You wouldn't call uh, if it was the Queen of England. (laughs) You wouldn't call (laughs) long distance. But it's very sweet that he not only stayed on the phone with you, he, he didn't hang up right away. He didn't have some kind of star trip. He obviously knows this is a teenage girl. Who likes me, likes my work, and and then gives you a private audience. Yeah, which is which you know it was it, great. There's a lot of there have been a lot of uh, aspersions cast about Paul. Yes. over the years, and even some by the celebrities in your book. But but here he is meeting a fan, and he couldn't be more genuine. I'm more genuine, and I said to him, you know, do you, the jokes in Hollywood Squares? I love them. Do you you know write them? And he said. No, dear, I don't. Someone writes them for me. As simple as that. And when did you find out you weren't going to be his wife or girlfriend? (laughs) (laughs) There's a story with that. Yeah, Yeah, tell that one. All right, I'll tell that one. But real quick, at the end of me and Paul meeting, he said, you have my phone number. Here's my home address. Come see me. That's how we ended in the city. And as uh, life went on and uh, I got to be with Paul a little bit more, he'd visit the island. I did go out to his house. I wasn't quite sure if he was gay. I really was naive. <laughs> How old were you at this at point? At this time, probably 19. All okay? right, so you're well, starting that, to figure that, that out for that's yourself. That's not naive. That's <laughs> brain damage. Yes, it was. <laughs> at 14, I was like, go on, go on with That's the like yeah. not knowing Rip Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> well, she was, you know, a little bit yeah, of provincial yeah. small town it's girl. Also right? it, was yeah, also right, it was also denial. It was also denial. He was okay. very affectionate yeah. towards me, and I thought it was nice. So we go out one night. It was my birthday. Uh, I met Paul in Virginia with my girlfriend. Um, He had done a show, and afterwards it was my birthday. We were going to go out dancing. So I kind of had a hint when we walked into this disco, and it was mostly men. Like, I was getting a (laughs) hint there. And now we're sitting around, and um, the whole night was great. Had fun. I was with uh, Elizabeth uh, Allen. She was a lovely. She worked a lot with him. Oh, yeah. And we we had a great time. Laughing all night. Paul was always joking with me. He used to bring me in, like, 
I was the star when we'd walk into the place. How sweet. And then a guy jumps on Paul. I love you. I love you. And I'm standing there. I love him more. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and the guy's grabbing Paul, and then he's begging him with his legs, and Paul's trying to walk. This guy's being dragged. I mean, they really loved him. And then Paul and I were dancing. People, men were trying to cut in. I didn't know if they were trying to cut in for me or for Paul. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't figure this out. <laughs> and then Paul and I uh, were dancing to a slow dance. It's the end of the night. I'm going to go fast forward to, you know, when they flick the lights, it's the last moment. And all night long, we sat at a table. We had the best bartender. You know, they treated him like a king. Bringing him, He could have blinked, and the drinks were there. And then we were dancing slowly, and it's the last dance, and it's very romantic. And I'm thinking, wow, I know Paul goes out. He keeps going out all night. I wonder where we're going to go next. And then the lights flickered, and Paul came over and says, good night, Kathy. My mouth dropped. And then he walked out with, the, with our waiter. There oh, you go. Geez. That was a crushing blow. Ah. There you go. You know, I learned a lot about his childhood from the book, too. Mm -hmm. I mean, we knew that he, he'd always battled weight issues his yes. whole life. He had a strange relationship with food. Oh, yeah. Certainly a strange relationship with drink. We had Charlotte Ray yes. on this podcast, oh, too. Wow. And they went to Northwestern together. Yes, they did. And, and Cloris Leachman was there as oh, well. Yeah. They were sort of, a, they were sort of yeah. a, a, a fun trio. But I found it interesting, too, the way he gravitated to comedy. But you, because the, he was doing Shakespeare, he was doing Cyrano. At Northwestern, but yes. every time he opened his mouth, everybody would crack up. The teacher left. would be rolling down the floor. He just couldn't do it straight because you know? he was so so broad. Yeah, uh, you yeah. know, and his twang and his accent, and he was also very heavy and very. So heavy. he's trying to do you know a romantic Cyrano scene. It isn't working, and he played up to it. It became apparent and, that comedy and was his. The question in show business. Who came first, Paul Lynn or Alice Ghost? Well, because they were tell so you alike. The truth? Oh, do you all want to know? Yes, yes, sure. yes. Okay, nineteen fifty-two. New faces. That's Paul right. Lynn and Alice meet. She goes on with her voice and her jokes. So I listened to her first. Paul came on second. This is in fifty-two. You can see it on YouTube. It's New Faces. Yeah, in 52. yeah. With with Robert Clary. That's right. right. And I interviewed him as well. Yes. But uh, there they were. I looked and I said, Alice has a little bit more of a nasally, you know, drawn out voice at that time. I listened to Paul. He did the uh, trip to Africa. Yes, that was his famous a bit. little different voice. As time went on, I think they all steal from each other. Charles Nelson, Riley, they all do it to yeah. each other. So, you know, Paul, forgive me, but I think Alice might have been first a little bit. Interesting. Ah, Because I studied it. I wanted to know. He never thought she was kind of swiping his, his shtick. They were the best of friends. Versa. Best of friends. She, she held the she little... Because she talked like that, too. Yes, yes she did. I... They were the same person. <laughs> like sister and brother. Yeah. 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 And both turned up on Bewitched. That's right. Right. Well, they she, were very good friends till the end. somebody. On Bewitched. So he struggled in New York. I mean, after college, oh, he came gosh. to New York. He gave himself, what, five years to become rich and famous? Yeah. But Wasn't he, happening. But, but he struggled mightily. Oh, yeah. When he oh, got yeah. to New York. He had to sell his blood. Yeah. He lived I mean, in a, his... a building with Marlon Brando and Wally Cox. Do you guys know oh, that? Oh, yes, my God, Yes, he lived in that building. Yes, and he stole we... their food at night. Exactly. He raided their fridges. Oh, wow. And yeah. then one night, they stuck a note in there. Paul, pick anything you want. It's poisoned. They put a note in the fridge. One of these is poison. Oh. Because he kept stealing. Because he had a weight problem and he kept stealing he also the had no money, food so. of the other actors. But and, if, and what was going on between Brando and Wally Cox? They were very good friends. It's another book. I don't know. That's another story. That's another, I that's wish a, I had asked Paul. But that's I, a whole other book. That, that's something I, I, I think about a lot. Somebody yeah. wrote about it. It's a very interesting story. I did read it. 
So he he started getting TV work. Eventually, he does a Bilko, he does Red Button Show, he does Martha Ray Show, Mm -hmm. and he's starting to get a little work. But it's he, you know, he winds up sporadic. Yeah, yeah. it's very sporadic. And is a new new faces of 1952 isn't the huge break. No, not at all. That it was supposed to be, but Bye Bye Birdie. That was was a big break. Paul, right before he was doing Bye Bye Birdie, I don't know if you guys know this, but. He was very suicidal at that point. He was going to just, that was it. He said, I don't know if he would have went through with it, but he said, I'm very depressed the whole bit. And he went to a therapist and she said, you just need to work. That's all you need is to work. Okay, fine. Meanwhile, he gets a phone call from Gower Champion. Yeah. Who says, I have a spot for you. Well, Paul's ecstatic. This is supposed to be a big play. He goes there. It's nine lines. He wants to, he has a fit. He throws a hissy fit yeah, in the place. He, threw, you know, that's he stormed it. out because it was yeah. only nine lines. Oh, jeez. And uh, Gower Champion said, Paul, I promise we'll make it grow. I promise this will work for you. And in the end, as you all know, that the Broadway play is what gave him the first sure. real uh, showbiz celebrity uh, status in his life. That was the first time that and he felt like and a star. and Bewitched were like the two big breakthroughs. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. kids, <laughs> what gonna do with these kids today? <laughs> kids, oh, I talk and talk. And <laughs> why can't they be like we were? Perfect in every way. What not is bad, wrong huh? with these kids today? <laughs> Very good. Oh, Very good. Gilbert You're bringing Lynn. back good memories. Love it. Dick Godier was in that. Yes. Cheetah Rivera. Mm-hmm. Dick Van Dyke, who we mm-hmm. had on this so podcast. So was Dick Godier. He the... was Conrad Verdi. Yes, yes. That's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. But in, in, in he's some squabbles with cast members. Oh, yeah. And, and oh, just, yeah. Just, just a little bit of diva behavior. Uh... Maybe a lot. Cheetah Rivera said he was great, brought the house down. But besides the scenes, he was giving her husband at the time, Tony, a very hard time. Because if the timing went off, they did something in the play. But when the music goes off, everybody's timing is different. But they didn't tell Tony. And it got onto Paul's line. And Paul had a hissy fit on that. They Cheetah and him ended up, because I spoke to her too, and she ended up saying they ended up being friends. Dick Gordy, he was very... uh, maybe jealous of him because he was getting more status. Yeah. And he used to tell, because Dick said to me um, when, I, when I spoke to him, he said, yeah, Paul used to call me a, like a teenage twerp. He goes, I was almost 30 years old. I don't know what his thing was well, about me. It's a recurring theme with him in his life. I mean, some petty jealousies. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, very insecure. And, very. And he used to hit the bottle. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Yeah! Oh yeah! He was a very, very big drinker. Now, now I got to get to the story. That <laughs> you might I'm, as well. I'm, I'm amazed I waited this long. Okay, <laughs> what are we doing? And it's, this I've is a, a story this Peter about. Marshall confirmed. Okay. Yes, okay. I've, I've heard this about him a lot. Well, this isn't the uh, dressing room. Oh, okay. Oh, good. Because I was going to warn Kathy. Yeah, oh, it's okay. Good. That, that I've heard. Coming next. Oh, I know. He'll, he'll, yeah. he'll, he'll close with that. And and uh, I, I, you know, I worked. When Whoopi Goldberg and Henry Winkler were doing Hollywood Squares. Okay. I was like a semi-regular on there. Mm-hmm. And one of the guys producing it was a producer in the original. And and he said that Paul Lynn was, among hating other people, was viciously anti-Semitic. <laughs> and, and he would, like during the lunch hour, everyone would be having a great time telling stories and making jokes. 
and Paul Lynn bombed out of his skull would be there going, Oh, those fucking Jews. Oh, here he goes. <laughs> They're the reason I don't have a career. Roll with it, Kathy. The oh, Jews God. have held me oh, back God. all this time. And I want to clarify, Peter Marshall did not... Confirmed that one. No. Bruce Valanche did. Oh, Bruce Valanche said yeah. a, a couple yeah, of yeah, drinks yeah, yeah. and yeah. Paul was like the Juan C. conference. Oh, yeah, That's yeah. what he said. Bad, yeah. bad. Yeah. 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 So bad. Yeah. So bad. The, the other story. <laughs> okay, get it out of the way. Oh, no, here we go. <laughs> if you thought this, the language in the, the first The lady's story, son is in the next room, but he's, her, if you he's a teenager. He can the handle it. story was bad. Ryan, you might not want to record this part. <laughs> Maybe this time. I'm already you, going you, off. You, you might want to call a cab before I go into this one. Ah, uh, one time. No. <laughs> You've heard it on the show. Oh, gosh. I know what's coming. Wait. <laughs> They they led Paul Lynn. They were walking through the dressing room of it was I guess it was like the, the gold diggers. The gold digger dance. Supposedly. Yeah, yeah. And Paul Lynn said, Ready, take a deep breath. He's I apologize Paul in advance. Lynn said, this place smells like cunt. I think I'm done. You got a big laugh out of a person who knew Paul Lynn personally. There you go. Now, can you confirm or deny? Oh, that's probably Paul. I, I'm like, you know, I wasn't there. He was a gentleman with me, but that could he be him. He was a There's gentleman. No doubt. He was probably playing for the stories. laugh. We will return to Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast after this. Did, yeah. Now, what about the anti-Semitic stuff? I've heard that a lot. The man was anti a few things. Yeah. <laughs> he was outrageous. He was a- you know, whatever was pissing him off that day, yeah, you know, yeah. if, you, if your last name sounded like you were Jewish, you might get it. If you were Irish, you were a dumb Mick. You know, you don't know what he's going to say. Charlotte Ray was one of his closest friends, and she was, I think, part Jewish or full Jewish. I don't even know. Well, yeah, the, one of the things that recurs in the book is is how the friendships, you know, uh, with, with with Cheetah, with Kay Ballard, okay, where they would, lose, they would lose patience with him K- K- for long yeah. stretches, write him off, yes. and then he would always kind of worm his way back into their... Their lives. Yeah. I think Kay had the most, uh, she was the most interesting to talk to. She had good stories, bad stories, and, oh, and Paul was this, and Paul was that, and uh, she said, he had more money than me. After a while, he just had more money than me. We'd go to his house, brand new house, he's having a housewarming party. Well, no one's allowed in because he doesn't want anybody to mess the place up. Right, you want anybody to touch anything. (laughs) And, and there's a story. Some say it's true. Some say it's not the way he died. Oh, some okay. say that there was some young guy he picked up, and the guy like could have called the ambulance but didn't, and just snuck off. Here, yeah, I, I've been at Paul's house. Yeah, he has an alarm. He has an yeah. alarm by his bed. Alarm. The whole house is alarmed. Yeah. If somebody did sneak in. They would have had to set the alarm before they left. Yeah. Didn't make sense to me. Right. Yeah. He was found by friends in the middle of the night when he didn't show up for, a, was it a New Year's Eve party? Or uh, a New, Paul Barisi was having a Paul birthday Barisi's party. party. I, just, I spoke to Paul himself and I said, did you go to every window? Did you check every door? He said, Kathy, I tried everything. I believe that because he just couldn't believe Paul didn't show up for his birthday party. And he was laying in bed thinking, oh my gosh, that's not like Paul. He already sure. told me I'm bringing a gift. Why didn't you show up? So he went out to look for him. And nobody had answered the dog. The dog was barking. Yes. Alfred, his dog at the time. Yes. And um, it's so, it, you a- know what? Paul liked to cruise on Saturday nights, for sure. Maybe he did go out, meet somebody, but it doesn't look like they were still there in the house. There was no sign of foul play of any kind. No, they just started no. a heart attack. He had, a, he, yeah. he had taxed his heart. 
Well, his mother died at 54. His father died at 53 right. or 54. They all died uh, like within three months of each other. So it was really And he had abused his body. And he was also overweight. And, and overweight you know, yeah. and a now he wasn't and at a the smoker. End. Was he ever like even like threatened with um, like blackmail? Yes. Yeah. He was threatened with blackmail. His house was robbed and somebody actually left him a note. If you go to the police, I have blackmail on you. So Paul picked up the phone and called 911. He didn't care. He didn't care. He was, you know. He felt Hollywood Squares, and this is interesting. I mean, there was a love-hate relationship with his success on Hollywood Squares, too, because Mm -hmm. it was making him rich. It was making him famous, but he felt trapped in a part of the Literally trapped in a box. Trapped in a box. Um, And he constantly worried that, that, uh, that he was being looked down upon, not only as a TV star, because he wanted to do features. Yes. Not only was he being looked down as a TV guy, but, but even worse, a game show guy. A game show. Yeah. He went to Northwestern for acting. He did a lot of summer stack. Exactly. I've seen him do Plaza Suite and, and some, you know, live uh, shows on, he was good. And here he was. Sure he was. Tormented by this idea that his talent wasn't being... Exactly. But in the 70s, as we all know, he was probably the, the most wanted uh, extra guest on any show. Absolutely. I mean, I list them all in the book. I probably left two out because there's so many of them, but... Um, he turns yeah. up on, in the 60s, too. You see him on yes. Genie, on F Troop, on The Munsters. That's right. He'd had that, that, that short series where he was the Victorian detective. That never aired. Oh, it never aired. He said it was his best, of course. Didn't air, though, but you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Forget me. Yeah. He was on everything. You remember? Yeah. Oh, I, Dr. yeah. Dr. Dudley on The Munsters. Yeah, and they, they were was the like, Mountie on F Troop. Yes. And, Henry Ford, The Family. Right. Does anybody remember that? He was and on that. And a million uh, variety Carol Burnett, shows. everything, yeah. Every Donnie that, and yeah. Marie, every yep. Carol Burnett, there, there Mac Davis There was no way you were going to watch him in a drama. That's what people don't. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. you know what? Bill Asher said, he said, Paul had enough depth that he could have done it. But nobody took him seriously. He played yeah. a killer on something. On Cable Roberts? Uh-huh. Cable Roberts? One show he played. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. Cable Roberts. Yeah, I'm trying to remember um, the, 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 the. Yeah, he did play. He did play yeah, a murderer. Yeah, and he wanted to then pursue that. And Kay Ballard said, "Paul, what are you doing? People know you for your voice. They know you as funny. Y- you can't be taking this yeah. seriously." But he was. But it didn't happen. What is your opinion? And we had uh, Valanche here, and he said, and we were talking about this before we turned the mics on, that Paul really could never succeed. As a star, as a, as a guy who was a star of his own vehicle because he was too, I think Bruce said something to the effect that he was just too strong a spice. So, yeah, you, so yeah. you had to have a little bit of it and not a whole thing. And then Peter Marshall said something similar mm-hmm. in, in your book. Yes, uh, if you, it's like having chocolate mousse. You can only have a couple of tastes, otherwise it's too much. You, don't want, it, you don't want yeah, it as a meal. Yeah, so yes. he really was sort of too, too, too powerful like like a Charles Nelson Riley, he was too powerful a Very character. Powerful. Yeah, exactly for for people to for an audience to identify. He tried to play a father in the Paul Lynch show. Oh he tried gracious. to do a, a domestic sitcom. Yeah. That, well, that's what always got me. Is growing up, you could have guys like Paul Lynn or Charles Nelson Riley with a wife and kids. Yeah, and nobody questioned it. it. Yeah, yeah, people bought it. Yeah. yeah. You said, yeah. oh, he's okay. eccentric. Yeah, that's what I thought yeah. he was. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> he's eccentric. <laughs> that, that's what, if someone was flamboyantly gay, oh, they're eccentric. Or sometimes they would be evil. 
you know, you could have like a guy working, being effeminate, and then it was like, like, an yeah, evil yeah, evil. Guy. He would yeah. steal things that he was in. I mean, and, and by the way, he made such an impression as Uncle Arthur on Bewitched. Actually, only 11 episodes. That's right, only 11. And people he only did 11 yeah. shows. Yeah. And, just, and people think of him yeah, as being a yeah, fixture. Yeah, as, as like he was in every one on that show. But you couldn't, you know, he, he stole a lot of the things that he was in. You yes, could, he you did. You couldn't take your eyes off no. him. No, no, he was the, uh, and he didn't like like to be with animals or children because he said, oh, they'd steal the spotlight. So he loved the spotlight. I think if he had a really good writer and, and, and showed him maybe as a sad, broken person and then... You know, you could throw some comedy, and he might have had a shot, but no one wanted to put Paul in in a serious role. That was the end right. of it. They, well, then uh, Bill Asher put him in put him in Temperatures Rising, but yes. that wasn't his fault because that was already with Cle- Cleavon Little. You remember oh. that show? What's a medical show? Yes. And they added Paul. I guess they added Paul when the show was already kind of flailing. Yes, they and, did. They kept Cleveland Little. Cleavon Little and Paul yeah. and um, I can't remember. And then, a, James then, Whitmore. Then you yeah that right. Then that's when someone's thrown in. Like, can you please save us? Yes, yeah, he, yeah. exactly. He was brought exactly. on as a yeah. saver, but he couldn't no, save he it. Couldn't save it. Yeah, I, I I wonder if those Paul Lynn shows are available to go they back are, and, and Paul watch Lynn them show now. Is, is that now available? On antenna TV. Is it on antenna? Yes. What's it like to watch him now playing a dad in 2019? Oh my goodness! A, a, in a domestic you wanna, sitcom. Uh, well. Paul, uh, on New Year's Eve last year, I had a commercial I was doing with my book during that marathon. I don't know if you guys know they did the marathon, Paul and Marathon. I didn't see it, no. Okay, it was on New Year's Eve. I had friends over. Okay. So I'm watching an episode, and then, you know, I figured, okay, they've seen enough. Either they want to watch the ball drop. Do you know, these are all adults that, uh, friends of mine, husbands, don't, we want to watch the show. I said, you guys like this? I mean, I like it because I have a partial interest in the man. Sure. They all loved it. And you know, I think the show's doing better now. It's actually, if you listen to it, the, I think Bruce Blanche might have helped some of those lines. But they're really beyond those years. And I think it was people weren't ready for it. Now it's entertaining enough. Well, the Hollywood Squares, those jokes still hold up. The, the, oh, the bits gosh, he was doing yes. in the 70s are as funny as ever. Oh, yes. What <laughs> did Paul Lynn ever talk about? I mean, I'm sure he did. Uh, only like... Uh, Gay actors playing straight, gay, uh, you know, closeted gay. What did he think? He didn't, he never brought that up. He just never brought that up. I mean, I've been out with him where we did a, um, he was doing a benefit. And in the middle of the benefit, a man came up and said, I want to interview you, Paul, in for the children's uh, benefit. And Paul said, of course. And he was very happy to do it. Right in the middle of the interview, the guy says, so what do you think about Anita Bryant? And me, all I knew was she was the orange juice lady. Oh, yeah. I had no idea that she was having a campaign against right. gay people at that time. I had no idea. And so Paul looked at me and he said, let's get out of here. He and shut we it down. ran. Exactly. Oh. And later on, we were at his house. I said, so, so naive. I'm sitting with all these people. So Paul's telling everybody about Anita Bryant, and the, the reporter. And I said very innocently, Paul, what does Nita Bryan have to do with you? <laughs> he didn't, but he wasn't comfortable talking about himself. He he didn't do talk shows. He avoided talk shows because he didn't like talk. He didn't want to dive that deep. He, he didn't said, want to reveal. He's too insecure. Too insecure. And he's afraid he wouldn't be funny. 
Right. And that's why he used to stay after shows and just autograph. But what's interesting is if you watch the trajectory of of Hollywood Squares and how the jokes become more and more revealing. Oh, my goodness. Oh, yes. Why do motorcyclists, why do motorcycle riders wear leather or whatever it is? And what does he say? Because Chiffon wrinkles. Chiffon wrinkles. (laughs) I mean, gradually, you had to be an idiot to not see that, that, that not only was he maybe struggling with it, but the writers were helping him. Oh, they were, yeah. they were, bled- you know what? He was out. Come out. In his own way. They would say, yeah. you know, uh, Paul, uh, what was one of the ones I love is, um, in the Wizard of Oz, the lion wanted a heart. The tin man, no, I'm sorry. The lion wanted courage. The tin man wanted a heart. What did the scarecrow man want? And Paul said, he wanted the tin man to notice him. <laughs> <laughs> this is on TV. Yeah. Back in the 60s, <laughs> yeah, 70s. there were a lot of those. It, it's funny when they talk about Paul Lynn. And they'll say, oh, you know, they'd ask a question and he'd sneak in. Th- and it's like, no, the questions were, uh, were always have to do with being gay. Of it was course. like uh, double uh, double yeah, meaning, yeah. but always. Yeah, and you got it. And one day he was playing uh, Narcissus on the um, nighttime Hollywood squares. Yeah. And in the middle of him doing his questioning, they start playing I feel pretty, I feel pretty and witty and gay. Paul's dying, well, he and put, he's looking at him like, I'll kill you guys. I mean, it was just so funny. He put so on funny. a gown for storybook squares. He actually went He actually went and dragged. Okay, we have to talk. It's a day before Halloween, so we have to talk about the oh. infamous Paul Lynn oh, Halloween my. special. Oh, is, boy. We're throwing red meat to the listeners here. Uh, did this, he, this one runs neck and neck with Bob Hope with Joyce. Although Bob Bob Hope with Joyce is hard to watch. Yes. This yes. one is just and Scary. this is an entertaining train wreck. Yes. Cuz it's got I love it. it's got Pinky Tuscadero. Oh yes, <laughs> it's yes. It's got Tim Conway as a Tim biker. Conway. Yeah, it's one Paul of those a trucker. Kiss shows yeah. up. It's one of those No, no, this isn't really happening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now Bruce told us he didn't really know who Kiss was. No, he did not really know who he was. <laughs> Do you know he didn't know who Elton John was either? And Elton That's John right. called him? That's in the book. Wow. Uh, Elton yeah. John was That's a so fan funny. and he had no but idea. But Kiss was great How is that on possible? Halloween. There's a great picture of him, Alice Cooper, and Elton oh, John. Oh, yeah. That yeah. floating around oh, the web. Yeah. Somebody posted it on our Listener Society today. Uh, that that Halloween special. Florence Henderson. She's she's great. Billy Barty. Oh, is it turns Margaret up. Hamilton? Margaret yeah. Hamilton's in there. Betty White does a little sneak oh, in. It's in really there. a great God. cast. It is a great cast, and the lines are funny. I think the you know he's saying he has Betty White. There she is. You know, she's like another witch. You know, he just does little dings to the each person. I think person. Billy Hayes shows Billy up. Billy Hayes is Poo. <laughs> That's right. From, from, she's great. From Sid and Marty. Yeah, yeah. It's special. They have a disco yeah. in the middle of the show. You have a disco dance. You got some variety skits. Tim Conway and Paul and Paul a trucker. Yeah, a trucker. He's a trucker covered in sequins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's special. He was the rhinestone trucker, yes. That it's special. special is when you it's a drop special special. bad acid. It's great. You just watched it today on the way over here? I watched it again on the yeah. way over here. I watched it a few weeks ago. I said, let me watch it again. I'm in the mood. It's Halloween. I, I bought it on, on DVD. It I just had, I had to so own great. it. Yeah. I don't even want to go yes. to YouTube. I had to have it in my yep. house. Yep. It's so wonderfully bad and so wonderful at the same time. Uh, when was the last time you saw him? 1981, Kathy. a few okay. weeks, uh, not too long before he passed He passed away. in January of 82. Yeah, yeah. I went to see him in uh, Canada and uh, had a great time with him. Everything was good. He looked fine. He was a little tired. Um, someone had tried to uh, sneak behind him with a weapon in their 
autograph book. Who knows if the guy was going to attack him or not. That's but it a was, wild story. Yeah, it was pretty stressful. Pretty stressful time. But he was fun. I had a great time. We went out to dinner. We had a great time. And then when I was leaving him, Paul was very superstitious. And he had a lot of anxiety and a lot of fears. He really, truly did. Um, and, you know, as I was leaving him, I said, okay, goodbye, Paul. And he always said, never say goodbye. Yeah, that's course, a sweet I thing in the book. It. He didn't like farewells. He didn't like farewells with anybody, sincerely. Or goodbyes, yeah, I should yeah, say. Yeah, don't say goodbye. Just say, I'll see you soon. Right. So Because he was haunted, in a way, by losing so many people yeah, early in life. He lost his brother. brother. He yep. lost his parents. He, yeah, uh, he, yeah, and, and he, he, he just hated goodbyes. And when I said that by accident, it's weird, I said goodbye and... That was the last time I physically saw him, but uh, but it's it's sweet that that you had a a, a crush on this mm-hmm, star, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and we talk about on this show the tr- you know the danger of meeting your heroes. Oh yeah, but you know like how disappointed I was when I first met Gilbert, <laughs> <laughs> and that endures that feeling <laughs> to this day. <laughs> But he was he was sweet. He accepted you. He 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 wasn't threatened. He he knew That's what he it was. knew he he saw authenticity. He knew you were a fan. He knew you were just in his in his corner. Yeah, he and, said. And I, so it became I feel a, very. A, uh, I always feel very safe when I'm with you, Kathy. He always said that. A friendship that went on for years. Yeah, it went on till he passed away. But uh, it was a good time. One of the other things in the book is that is this. I don't want to say he was carrying a torch for Marilyn for his his high school. Marilyn. Sweetheart, but it's almost as if, and we're speculating here, mm-hmm, but it's almost mm-hmm. as if that that he he saw an easier life, he saw an easier path, mm-hmm, being straight mm-hmm. and being married. Mm-hmm. And, I spoke and, to her and kind of pined for that. Yeah. He did. Yeah, I asked her, "Did you really like each other?" I want to know. She said, "Oh yeah, very sincerely." Yeah, but um, she ended up sending him a wedding invitation when he was at college or something. She went, he went, "Oh, she's getting married to somebody else." Okay, that was it. He brought a lot of joy to a lot of people, yeah. you know. And it's and it's a shame so many so many demons and that yeah. that he was that he was done in by them uh, yeah. at, at a fairly early age. Yeah, he, he could be a, generous and he could be troubled, and and you know, uh, that's with a lot of Hollywood people. Not yeah. you guys, though. You guys. No, 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 we're well adjusted. <laughs> I can see that. It's a very sweet. No, but, but I hate the Jews also. Here we go. Yeah. Here we go. <laughs> it's a very, very sweet book. Paul Lynn, a biography, his life, his loves, and his laughter, uh, with a forward by our friend Peter Marshall. Yes. Peter Marshall, by the way, has got to be 95 years old and yeah, sounds 60. He's unbelievable. He sounds yeah. better than unbelievable. I do. Same voice. Oh, yeah. You can't miss that. Yep. Hey, he was terrific. He's, he's still doing the big band on I Channel 13. Yeah. Can you believe uh, that? That guy is just he's great. unsinkable. Yeah. Where can people get the book? On Amazon? And Amazon. Um, it's got I'm a running, lot of pictures. I'm doing some eBay just for a very short time, limited personalized copies for anybody who's listening to the show or goes on eBay. You can find it there or my Facebook page. Okay. All in a biography, His Life, His Love, and His Laughter. It's a little long, but it's the title of the book. Wonderful. And I have it on there as well. And, and that's by Kathy Fitzgibbon Rudolph. Paul in a biography, His Life, His Loves, and His Laughter. The book is great. Thanks Thank for you. putting up with our, our oh, silliness and our You're rudeness. Fun. Paul would be laughing his head off. Woody, he really would. Be. That's yeah. sweet. We, yeah. we love hearing that. Thanks for schlepping in. Well, thanks and for having thanks. us. Thanks, Kath. Oh, this has been Gilbert and Frank's amazing. Uh, I fucked it up. It's all right. Do it as Paul. They, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> this has been Gilbert and Frank's. <laughs>
amazing colossal obsessions. Oh, I've had, I'm having an obsession right now. Thank you, Kathy. I love it. You guys are really a lot of fun. Kids, I don't know what's wrong with these kids today. Kids, who can understand anything they say? Kids, they are disobedient, disrespectful oafs. Noisy, crazy, sloppy, lazy, loafers. I'll know the subject, kids. You can talk and talk to your faces, Kids, but they still do just what they want to do. Why can't they be like we were? Perfect in every way. What's the matter with kids today? Midnight swim is the loop the loop that hurts. Kids! How we ever beat the Russians? Kids! I didn't know what puberty was, so I almost passed it. Laughing, singing, dancing, grinning, morons. While we're on the subject, kids, they are just impossible to control. Kids with their awful clothes and their rock and roll. Why can't they dance like we did? What's wrong with Sammy Kane? What's the matter with kids too?